All right. All right. So anyways, here we are again. Take three, I guess you would say. The first take, this is what happened earlier on. Uh, Hannah had technical difficulties coming on. And then it seemed like I had technical difficulties without sound. So I guess there is sound now. (laughs) <laughs> this is what happens when we go live, okay? This is what happens when we go live. Sometimes we have things happening that we don't really expect, and we're going live by the grace of God every single day here. So um, thank you guys for your patience and for your understanding. So anyway, as as always, uh, welcome everyone. Welcome, welcome. Shalom. Welcome, welcome world changers. Good to see you guys. Um, tonight is a very, very special night. Jeremiah chapters four through uh, through nine. It is awesome. In the book of Jeremiah, there is two, what I would call gold nuggets. Actually, it's more like bars of gold, bars of spiritual gold to take away. Two great takeaways from the, from the book of Jeremiah. And one of them is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Another one is when, when we get a little bit when we get a little bit more into the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah talks about hearing the voice of God, about people who think that they, you know, they really believe that they do, but they don't. Uh, so that's another whole uh, bar of gold. Tonight's going to be something different. It is going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to it. Let's begin with um, Jeremiah chapter 4. Remember remember yesterday where we, we left off in Jeremiah chapter 3. Wasn't that amazing? I mean, we uh, we we left off the last part of Jeremiah chapter 3. Uh, God was talking about the importance of repentance, of turning away from sin, turning your back on the on the devil, turning your back on sin, and just running to God wholeheartedly. That is what repentance is. Notice, you know what? I I I always say this, but I I'll say it one more time. Repentance doesn't mean feeling sorry for your sin. It doesn't mean feeling sorry. That's remorse. That's godly sorrow. That's not repentance. Repentance means change. Changing. When you change, then you've repented. And the reason why I say that is because look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we have Esau. It says that he sought repentance with tears, but he could not find it. Can you imagine that? He sold his birthright. He he felt sorry. He wanted to change, but he could not change what he did. Okay? That's That's what it means when he says he sought repentance, but he could not attain to repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So just because someone goes forward at church and cries and, you know, you know, a lot of people would go forward in the altar call and cry, you know, and tears running down their face. And that's wonderful. That's beautiful. But that's that doesn't prove repentance. Repentance means change. When that person walks out of that church or out of that meeting and they are a brand new creation, all is all the old is gone. The new has come. All of the old sinful self is dead. And the new self is risen by faith with him. That is repentance. That is repentance. When we have a sinner walk in the church and a saint walk out, that is repentance. But all too often we have sinners walking in and sinners walking out thinking that they're okay with God going, hey, I'm saved by grace. No, you're not. You're saved by the grace of God that gives you power to repent. Because there are a lot of people out there, they're sinners. They believe 
that they are saved in spite of their sin. No, they are saved from their sin. Grace is not some rug that God throws over your mess. Grace is power. It's God's gift of power in your life to break the chains of sin. That's grace. That's the grace of God. It's God's power to enable you to obey Him, to walk in His ways, to walk holy and righteously before God. That's grace. People say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Oxymoron. It's an oxymoron. You're a saint saved by grace. You're an ex-sinner. You're an ex-sinner. You're a, 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 a current saint. You are a saint, ex-sinner saved by grace. So Jeremiah chapter 3, the last part of it was just absolutely powerful. God showing us how repentance our repentance brings his repentance. I mean, sin brings judgment. But once we repent of our sin, the, God repents of his judgment. Okay, so picking up from Jeremiah chapter 3, let's, let's read Jeremiah chapter 4 and starting at verse 1. Listen to this. If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if, notice there's a condition here, if you put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. Oh, wow, isn't that awesome? Don't you want to be strong? Like, strong like a, you know, like the bedrock foundation? You shall not be moved. If you return, again, verse one, if you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. All right? There's a condition. Then there's a fulfillment. Verse two, and you shall swear the Lord lives in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. The nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him they shall glory. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground. In the footnotes, your untilled ground. And do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Right? Cut away. What does that mean? It means cut away that which God wants you to cut away. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. And take away the foreskins of your hearts, you men of Judah. Because a lot of people have... Um, hard hearts, right? Yeah, they put a veil over their heart. You men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, blow the trumpet in the land, cry, gather together and say, assemble yourselves and let us go into the fortified cities. Set up the standard towards and take refuge do not delay for i will bring disaster from the north a great destruction the lion has come up from his thicket and the destroyer of nations in 
is on his way. He has gone forth from his place to make your land desolate. Your cities will be laid waste without inhabitant. For this, clothe yourself with sackcloth, lament and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish and the heart of the princes, the priests shall be astonished and the prophets shall wonder. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, surely you have greatly deceived this people and Jerusalem, saying you shall have peace, whereas the sword reaches to the heart. At time, it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem, a dry wind of the desolate heights blows it in the wilderness toward the people of my, excuse me, toward the daughter of my people, not to fan or to cleanse, a wind too strong for these will come for me. Now I will also speak judgment against them. Behold, he shall come up like clouds and his chariots like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are plundered. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? For a voice declares from Dan and proclaims affliction from Mount Ephraim. Make mention to the nations. Yes, proclaim against Jerusalem. Uh, that watchers come from a far country and raise their voice against the cities of Judah. Like keepers of a field, they are against her all around because she has been rebellious against me, says the Lord. Your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness be because it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. Verse 19, O my soul, my soul, I am pained in my very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. And I cannot hold my peace because you have heard, my, O oh my soul, the sound of a trumpet, the alarm of war. Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is plundered. Suddenly my tents are plundered and my curtains are, uh, my, cur my curtains in a moment, excuse me, in a moment. How long will I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people are foolish. They have known me and uh, they are silly children, and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. Verse 23, I, I beheld the earth, and indeed it was without form and void, and the heavens, they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and indeed they trembled, and all the hills moved back and forth, and beheld, I beheld... And indeed, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens had fled. I beheld, and indeed, the fruitful land was a wilderness, and all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolate, yet I will make a full end. For this shall, shall the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken. I have purposed and will not relent, nor will I turn back from it. The whole city shall flee from the noise of the horsemen and the bowmen. They shall go into thickets and climb up on the rocks, and every city shall be forsaken, and, and not a man shall dwell in it. And when you are plundered, what will you do? Though you clothe yourself with crimson, and though you adore your, adorn yourself with 
ornaments of gold, though you enlarge your eyes with paint. In vain you make yourself fair. Your lovers will despise you. They will seek your life. For I have heard the voice of a woman as of a woman in labor, the anguish as of her who brings forth her first child. The voice of the daughter of Zion bewailing herself, she spreads her hands saying, Woe is me now, for my soul is weary because of murderers. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know and and seek her, seek in her open places if you can find a man, if there is anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I will pardon her. Though they say, as the Lord lives, surely they swear falsely. O Lord, are not your eyes on the truth? You have stricken them, but they are, but, but they have not grieved. You have consumed them but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to to return. Therefore, I said, surely these are poor. They are foolish, for they do not know the way of the Lord, the the judgment of their God. I will go to to the great men and speak to them, for they have known the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. Therefore, a lion from the forest shall slay them. A wolf in the deserts shall destroy them. A leopard will watch over cities. Everyone who goes out from there shall be torn in pieces because their transgressions are many, their backslidings have increased. How shall, how shall I pardon you for this? Your your children have forsaken me and sworn by those who are not gods. When I have fed them to the full, then they committed adultery. Notice it says here, when I fed them to the full, then they committed adultery. This is what happens a lot. This is is what happens a lot. When when people get blessed, when they get overblessed, a lot of times that's what you know, introduces pride into them, and then sin follows, right? So when I fed them to the full, then they committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlots' houses. Verse 8, they were like well-fed, lusty stallions. Everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. Shall I not punish them with these signs, says the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? Go up on her walls and destroy, but do not make a a complete end. Take away her branches, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously with me, says the Lord. They have lied about the Lord and said, It is not he. Neither will evil come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine. And the prophets become wind, for the word is not in for the word is not in them. Thus shall it be done to them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will will make my words in your mouth fire, and this 
people wood, and it shall devour them. Behold, I will bring a nation against you from afar, O house of Israel, says the Lord. It is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation, a nation, a nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. Their quiver is like an open tomb. They, they are all mighty men, and they shall eat up your harvest and your bread, which your sons and your daughters should eat. They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees. They shall destroy your fortified cities in which you trust with the sword. Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, I will not make a complete end of you. And it will be when you say, why does the Lord our God do all these things to us? Then you shall answer them, just as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so you shall serve aliens in, in the land that is not yours. Declare this in the house of Jacob and proclaim it in Judah, saying, Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, who have ears and hear not. Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence, who have placed the sand as the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass beyond it? And though its waves toss to and fro, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. But this has a divine, this people has a defiant and rebellious heart. They have revolted and departed. They do not say in their heart, let us, let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain, both former and latter, in its season. He reserves for us the, the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned these things away, and your sins have withheld good from you. For among my people are found wicked men. They lie in wait as one who sets snares. They set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they, they have become great and grown rich. They have grown fat. They, they, are, they are sleek. Yes, they surpass the deeds of the wicked. Yet they do, yet they do not plead the cause the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper, and the right of the needy they do not defend. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power. And my people have to uh, love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? Jeremiah chapter 6. Now notice, notice Jeremiah is all about this. It's a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people, when, when they're reading Jeremiah, they don't really put, they don't really connect the dots. Jeremiah, much of Jeremiah is about prophets that are false prophets. Uh, and there are a lot of people today who believe that they hear God, but they don't really do. They don't really hear God. And so Jeremiah has a, it's, it's really a theme throughout the book of Jeremiah. But we're going to get into something really, really interesting here in the next cap, couple chapters. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. 
O you children of Benjamin, gather yourselves to flee from the midst of Jerusalem. Blow the trumpet in Tekoa and set up a signal fire in Beit Hakarim. For for disasters appears out of the north and a great destruction. I have likened the daughter of Zion to a lovely and delicate woman. The shepherds with their flocks shall come to her. They shall pitch their tents against her all around. Each one shall pasture in his own place. Prepare war against her. Arise, let us go up. Let us go up at noon. Woe to us, for the day goes away. For the shadows of the evening are lengthening. Arise, let us go. Let us go up by night, and let us destroy your. Let us destroy her palaces. For thus has the Lord of hosts said: Cut down the trees and build a mound against Jerusalem. This is the city to be punished. She is full of oppression in her midst, as a fountain wells up with water, so she wells up with her wickedness. Violence and plundering are heard in her. Before me continually are grief and wounds. Be instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from you, lest I make you desolate, a land not inhabited. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they shall thoroughly clean, excuse me, they shall thoroughly glean as a vine the remnant of Israel. As a grape gatherer, put your hand back in into the branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, the ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. I will pour it out on the children outside and on the assembly of her of young men together. For even the husband shall be taken with the wife, the aged with him who, who is full of days, and their houses shall be turned over to others, fields and wives together, For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord. Because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed? When they had committed an abomination, no, they were not ashamed at all, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. And but they will say, but they said, We will walk, we will not walk in it. Also, I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. Therefore, hear you nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold. I will certainly bring calamity on this people 
the fruit of their thoughts. Because they have not heeded my words, nor my law, but rejected it. For what purpose to me comes frankincense from Sheba and sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, your sacrifices, nor, nor your sacrifices sweet to me. Let me just stop here for a second. This is, this is another, yet another. If we, uh, how, many, how many of you are actually taking a tally? I mean, uh, honestly, I, I have, there are so many times, so many times throughout the scriptures we see this kind of thing, where it's like the burnt offerings, of course, this is talking about the animal sacrifices, are not acceptable. Your sacrifice, nor your sacrifice is sweet to me. Now, think about this for a moment. Think about this for a moment, because this is, this is the thing. This is, this is the thing. A lot of Christians believe that it's the sacrifices in the quote-unquote Old Testament that covered their sins and therefore God was all happy and appeased God. But that's not the case. Sacrifices, blood sacrifices, animal sacrifices meant nothing unless there was repentance. Remember, it says twice in the book of Proverbs, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. A lot of Christians don't think about that because they come to God, they're like, oh, I believe that Jesus died for me. Although I'm, I'm a horrible, rotten, stinking sinner, I'm a filthy, stinking, rotten, stinking sinner, but they believe in Jesus and they think they're good, but that's not how the Word of God, that's not what the Word of God teaches. We read it here in Jeremiah chapter 6. We read it before in Isaiah. We read it before uh, in Isaiah chapter 1. And also in Isaiah, I believe it was 66 as well, as well as Amos chapter 5, has over and over and over and over again, where God rejects their sacrifices because of their sin. And that just goes to prove that sacrifices do not effectively cover unrepentant sin. I need to say that again because a lot of people need to hear this. Sacrifices or your faith in the sacrifice does not effectively cover unrepentant sin. We read it all the way through the, the Tanakh. We read it all the way through the scriptures. Here's just another place, another one. Seems like, it seems like, you know, most of the prophets, you know, speak about this, this particular concept. You, because this, this, this was the problem back in those days. People thought that they can just do what they want, you know, do their thing and then bring their lamb sacrifice and everything's covered and everything's good. God hates it. God hates it. I mean, it's quite clear. Jeremiah chapter 6, again, the last part of verse 20, your burnt offerings, these are the animal sacrifices, are not acceptable. Right. So if, if burnt offerings, if the animal sacrifices covered sin, then this, this makes no sense whatsoever. Right. Think about this for a moment. Just, just spend a moment thinking about this concept in the Word of God here. Your sacrifice, your, your burnt offerings are not acceptable, says God, to, to these people especially, because of their sin. 
Therefore, the burnt offerings and the sacrifices did not cover their sin. It's an amazing concept, and most Christians don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet to me. Moving on, we'll, we'll get the same concept again in the next chapter. Just hold tight. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 21. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will lay stumbling blocks before this people, and the fathers and the sons together shall fall on them. The neighbor and his friend shall perish. Thus says the Lord. I love it when it says this. Thus, uh, thus saith the Lord. I love that. Behold, a people comes from the north country, and a great nation will be raised from the, from the farthest parts of the earth. They will lay hold on bow and spear. They are cruel and have no mercy. Their voice roars like the sea. They ride on horses. As a, man, as a man of war set in array against you, O daughter of Zion. Verse 21. We have heard the report of it, and our hands grow feeble. Anguish has taken hold of us. Pain as of a woman in labor. Do not let or do not go out into the field, nor walk by the way. Because of the sword of the enemy, fear is on every side. O daughter of my people, dress in sackcloth and roll about in ashes. Make mourning as for an only son, most bitter lamentation, for the plunderer will suddenly come upon us. I have set you as an assayer and, and a fortress among my people that you may know and test their way. They are all stubborn rebels walking as slanderers. They are bronze and iron. They are all corruptors. The bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. The smelter refines in vain, for the wicked are not drawn off. People will call them rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. Jeremiah chapter 7. This is an amazing, um, an amazing chapter, by the way. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you Judah, all you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways, notice there's a condition here, if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute ju judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to, to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. 
Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves before your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. But now, but go, you, but go now to my place, which is in Shiloh, where I have set my name at, at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these works, saith, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early in the morning, speaking, but you did not hear. And call, I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which I have which is called by my name in which you trust and to this place which I gave to your father to you and your fathers as I have done to Shiloh and I will cast you out of my sight as I have cast all your brethren all your brothers the whole posterity of Ephraim therefore do not pray for this people Notice, this isn't this God told Jeremiah, do not pray for this people. You say, what? God actually said not to pray for somebody? That's right. It's exactly what he said. Check it out. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 16. Therefore, do not pray for this people. According to God, there are some people that are not even worthy to be prayed for. I know that may not sound in accordance with today's Barney-type God Christianity, but this is what the Word of God says. There are some people that are not worthy of prayer. Do not pray for this. Can you imagine God actually commanding? This is a commandment of God. To Jeremiah here, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make inter intercession to me. What? Are you serious, God? God just commanded this prophet, do not pray, do not cry, do not pray, don't offer up a prayer or make intercession to me for this, for this people. Like, ho. Wow. Can you imagine being like, can you imagine people, some people are so evil, God commands others not to even pray for them. But look at, let me, let's start again. This is Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 16. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Wow. That's, that's God. <laughs> Talk, you know, <laughs> 
you get, you know, you go to a Christian bookstore anymore, and you see these little books, you know, God's promises, you know, and you, you know, you got like a calendar with God's promises on it, and you know, claim God's promise for today. I've never heard anybody claim this promise. God promises not to hear you if you pray for people He doesn't want you to pray for. He's like, don't pray for them, don't cry, don't make a, don't, don't lift up a prayer for them, don't make intercession to me because I will not hear you. I'm telling you right up, right now, I'm not going to hear you. Can you imagine? Imagine. Verse seventeen. Do you not see? What they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. The children gather wood, the father kin the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead dough to make cates for the Queen of Heaven. Queen of Heaven. Uh you say, so what is so how is that applicable today? Well, like as like we shared last night, there are a lot of people who serve a lot of different gods today. They don't look at it as gods, but it is. Anytime you push God away to serve yourself, to serve pleasure, to serve sin in one in any way or another, that is serving another God. That is being unfaithful to God. That's just like making cakes for the queen of heaven. Moving on, verse eight, the last part of verse 18, and they pour out drink offerings to other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, says the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the shame of their own faces? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, my anger and my fury will be poured out upon on this place, on man and on beast and on trees of the field and on the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. Wow. This is amazing. By the way, guys, any of you guys in the live chat right now, the stuff we're talking about, I know we're talking about heavy stuff right now. It's good stuff. It's heavy. Gold is heavy, right? We're talking about spiritual gold right now. We're handling spiritual gold right now, people. You got questions? Make sure you put at Christopher, at Christopher in the live chat. I'll get to that just after we read the next couple chapters and I'll go through your questions. We'll answer, we'll talk about this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this, everyone. Again, Jeremiah 7, 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, this is verse 20. Behold, my anger and my fury will be poured out on this place, on man and on beast, on the trees of the field and on the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat meat, for I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in the ways that I've commanded you that it may be well with you. Oh, here we are again. Lord willing, Lord willing, we go through the whole Bible again. 
okay? Lord willing, we do this whole thing again, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to ask people to take tallies, okay? Tally, right? take notes. Every time it says in the scriptures that animal sacrifices will not cut it, then God wants obedience, not sacrifices. To obey is better than sacrifice. Hello, right? How many times? It's like over and over and over and over. If we had a tally, I don't know how many times. I really don't. But wouldn't it be, I mean, what? Lord willing, okay, I'll say this right up front. Lord willing, we do this again. If God gives us the grace and the power and the time to do this, to go through the whole Bible again, as we are, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask certain people. I'm gonna say, okay, could you keep a tally on how many times it, God speaks against animal sacrifices, against the blood sacrifice? And then you count count how many times God says, God tells you what the purpose of the law is. Because I guarantee you, guarantee you that it's not what your pastor tells you. It's not what Christianity today teaches. Christianity today says, well, the purpose of the law is just to prove that you're a sinner and that you need oh, you know, all the, what in the world do you think God is? What do you, you think God is a father just to bark out commands? That he knows his beloved children cannot obey and then curse them with horrible curses because they cannot obey them and leave them in that state for 1,500 years until Messiah comes? By the way, where does it say anything about Messiah here? In any of any of the the, the Tanakh, when it's oh the the where does it say that? It's only found in in corrupt Christian doctrine. It's only found in corrupt Christian doctrine. Well, the purpose of the law, the purpose of the commandments, is so that you know that you're a sinner and that you need you need Jesus. Okay, okay. Jesus doesn't need a salesman. He doesn't need a sales pitch, especially a sales pitch that's that's false. That's a lie. Okay, Jesus can do very well on his own. He can do very well on his own. He doesn't need anybody to be a salesman. He doesn't need any. He doesn't need anybody pitching sales pitches for him using lies because it's not in the scriptures. It says clearly, clear, clear. It's clear as ever. It tells you why God gave you commandments and rules, instructions, because he wants it to be well with you. He wants you to live blessed. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to live your life in a prosperous way, in a fruitful way. He wants you to be blessed. That's why. Period. He is the God, the same God that First John says God is love, the same God is this God, the God of the Tanakh, the God of the so-called Old Testament, the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Isaiah, and David, and Jeremiah, the same God. And he said over and again, I got to have somebody. Next time we do this, I got to have someone taking a tally and taking notes of every place and every time it says that God actually tells you directly through the scriptures what the purpose of the law is, the purpose of it so that it may be well with you. 
Period. Full stop. End of story. Over. Done. Not just so that you can feel beaten down and feel, oh, I'm such a sinner. No. Just like any loving father would give his children rules to, to, to keep them safe and to make them, you know, any loving father would give his children rules and boundaries, commandments, if, as you, if you will, commandments, instructions to bless his children. Any loving father wants their children to be blessed. Any loving father wants his children to be to grow up and to be blessed and to and to um, and to avoid the pitfalls of life, to avoid the 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 hook of the devil. And that's exactly what what God wants. That's exactly what why God gave us His commandments. That's exactly why God says, "Hey, and I'm gonna take I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna take mine out, right?" The seat seat, the seat seat, right? The seat seat. For those of you who don't know, the seat seat is commanded in Numbers to, it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's a, um, it's really supposed to be worn to, re, to remind you to keep the commandments, to keep the, the instructions of the Father. It's like tying a string around your finger. Like, remember, Remember what I taught you, says the Father. Remember. That's what it's all about. The God, so the God of the so-called Old Testament is the loving Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is a great and loving and compassionate God. He is the same God they, they, they sang about. For He is good and His mercy endures forever the purpose of the torah the purpose of the commands of god is so that it, it will go well with you it is the father's heart of love and grace for you forget about this nonsense trash dispensationalism that says well that's the that's the age of the law now we're not in the law Lie, 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 lie. Do not believe the lies of the devil. God said scores of times. God said scores of times. My Torah is my law. My instructions, my commandments are forever. Perpetual, forever, to be observed forever. Can't get any clearer than that. This is beautiful, guys. This is, I know, it's gold. It's gold. Isaiah, or excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 7. Listen to this. Because a lot of Christians are deceived. They think that going to church and believing in Jesus will get them to heaven. Even though they're living a life of sin. Even though they got sin in their closet. Wrong. Wrong. Couldn't be any, couldn't be any more. 
Couldn't be any more wrong. <laughs> it's a lie. Do you know how many people I've heard who have clinically died and they said that they have actually went to a place that they describe as hell. They saw other Christians there. In fact, I spoke, actually it's been a couple years now, I spoke to a, um, to Pastor John, uh, Pastor John Lopez from California. And he said that he preached, he was, a, he was um, preaching in Bibles, he was teaching in Bible school. And God gave him a vision of hell. His the former students who have passed away in hell, crying out in torment, saying, Pastor John, what you taught was wrong. We are here because you said that we're saved, but we weren't. Of course, it shook him to the core. Now he's preaching the truth. Now he's preaching repentance. How many people? There are millions and millions of people. Over there on Podbean, uh, God's Bestie says, hi. Hi, best, God's Bestie. Uh, I'm also streaming live on um, many different platforms simultaneously. So I got, um, I got a, uh, an audience, especially on YouTube right now and other platforms as well. But you know how many people, you know how many people actually die Later on, they're resuscitated and they come back and they say that they were in hell and they saw pastors there. Pastors. Let's just, let's read this one more time because this needs to sink in. We need to digest this a little bit. We need to ruminate on this a little bit. Anybody who knows a little bit about farm animals, you got some of these animals like cows and such, you know, and Sheep, like you got these cows that that ruminate, right? They kind of they eat the grass, and then it they have to kind of they, they it takes some time, okay, without getting into too much detail. It takes some time to break it down. You know, grass is a hard thing to break down. Of course, that's why we can't eat it. But sometimes the word of God is kind of hard to digest. We just got to take some time and ruminate on it. We have to just chew it a little bit, let it digest a little bit more. Bring it back up and chew it some more. Chew it some more. You know, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. Let's read this again. And I pray that every one of you that are listening will get a revelation from the, from the Spirit of God, the, the fullness of the meaning of this passage and how it, how it can apply to you and your loved ones. Let's read this once more time. One more time. Jeremiah chapter 21, no, excuse me. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 21. This is Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 21. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat meat. For I, first of all, why did God say this? And what does this mean? What God is saying is, hey, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, <laughs> Hey, just add to it and eat it, okay? Like it doesn't mean anything to what what God is basically saying there is it doesn't even mean it doesn't really mean anything. That's God's way of saying, so what? That's that's what that's God's way of saying, so what? You bring your your animal sacrifices, you bring your, your blood sacrifices, and for those Christians, you bring your faith in the blood. 
If you are still living for the devil, if you are still living a life of sin, God looks at you and says, so what? I'm telling you the truth right now. I'm telling you the absolute truth. You see it here. I pray God shows every single person that's listening right now and to the, the live replay afterwards. Every single one of you, I pray you have revelation and wisdom from heaven on this by the Spirit of God. So God says in verse 21, add, you know, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat meat. In other words, <laughs> okay, whatever. So you bring your burnt, your burnt offerings or your animal sacrifice and all that, ah, whatever, just eat it. Like, so what? Verse 22, for I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices, but this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice. So what's God mean here? What's God mean here? God means, hey, you know what? You guys think the most important thing is to put your faith in the blood. You, you guys think the most important thing is your animal sacrifices or your, 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 your faith in the sacrifice. That's what you guys think. You guys think you can go and do whatever you, whatever you want to do. Please yourself. You love pleasure more than you love God. And you think you're okay because you have the faith, because you're atoned for, your sins are atoned for. God says, wrong, wrong. So what? You bring your animal sacrifices, and today, that's like faith in, in, in the blood. God says, so what? Remember, even Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, he said, you know, let's, let's, let's pull that up. Let's pull it up just for now, because it's the same. It, this flows right perfectly together with what we're talking about right now. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to, 20, to 23. Jesus said, these, these are, for those of you who like the, the words in red, so to speak, these are the words in red, okay? Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Oh, wow. But Jesus, I thought that all you got to do is just come to you. I thought well, all we have to do is just confess you as Lord and come to you know, just come to you and confess you as Lord, believe in you, have the faith, and that's all. And we're, we're good, right, Jesus? Jesus says, wrong, wrong. Let's read it again, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me, here we are, Many, not few, not some, many will say to me in that day. What day? The day of judgment. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. In other words, <coughs> excuse me. In other words, people will come to Jesus. But Lord, I thought you said everybody who comes to you, you will not cast out. Um, not always. If you, if you have sin, if you have unrepentant sin, he will cast you out. Guaranteed. What he says right here. He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. So they'll come to him. They'll profess him as Lord. They'll say, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? These people had strong faith. These people had strong faith. 
strong. Strong enough that they could prophesy. Jesus did not deny that. Yes, they prophesied. In other words, Jesus spoke through them. Yes, Jesus used them to speak to other people. And again, so what? Is what Jesus says. He said, many will come to me on that day saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many, many wonders in your name? So in other words, it they're not saying, oh, it's our power that did it. No, they're saying, God, you work through us. Lord, you spoke through us. Lord, you cast out demons through us. You did it. It's your work, not our work. But but we have faith. We have We have belief. So, Lord, you did it through us. We've done many wonders in your name. In other words, by his power, by his, by his authority, he worked through them. He worked through their hands, through their mouths, through their, through their lives. Jesus did not deny that. Did not deny that. Very important point. Remember, when you read any scripture, you got to read, you got to ask yourself, who wrote it? Who's speaking? Who's the audience? What did they say? And what did they not say? We got we to gotta think properly here when we're reading the scriptures. So again, verse 22, many will come to me on that day, in the day of judgment. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you, you who practice lawlessness. This word lawlessness in the Greek is anomian, which literally means you who live like there's no law. You who live against the law of God. So here's another promise that you never see in the promise books when you go into Christian bookstores today. Here's another promise you never you never read of, you never read in, in your Christian calendars anymore. The promise is, Jesus said to these people who, Jesus promised that people who live lawless against the law of God, against his instructions, against his commandments, he will cast them out and, and deny them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. <clears throat> wow. Boom. These people, they had faith. They came to, the, to Jesus. Jesus, I thought you said that, that anybody who comes to, to you, you will not cast out. Mm. Well, not in every situation. If you, if you are anomian, if you are against the law of God, if you are not following the commandments of God, if you, if you are not really loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, <laughs> he has the right to, you know, I, I, I even, <laughs> it's even hard for me to say, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. We have got to get on track. We have got to get on track. We can't go diddly daddling, you know, la di da Christianity anymore. Go to church on Sunday, play the church thing, 
Go through the motions and the rest of the, the rest of the week you nobody can tell the difference really between you and the and 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 a child of the devil. You do what they do. You listen to the same music they listen to. You watch the same movies they, they watch. You do the same things. You go to the same parties. You engage in the same activities. Smoking, drinking, drugging, sleeping around, whatever else, everything else. This is the word of God. Oh, we got to walk according to God. We have to humble ourselves. We have, oh Lord, everyone within the sound of my voice circumcise their hearts, cut away what needs to be cut away. I'm calling. God is calling for complete total surrender, complete total love, to love him with all, not some, not 95%, all your heart, soul, mind. The word strength, by the way, in the, in the Hebrew means resources. A lot of people use your resources for things that you shouldn't be using them for. God says you have to love God with all your resources. That's the first and greatest commandment. Jeremiah, again, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 22. So what's God saying here? He's saying, you know what? The whole idea was not for me, to, for you to go and, you know, you know, believe in the blood and offer your animal sacrifices and, hey, you're all covered. That wasn't the plan. That's not the plan. That's not what it's all about. Not even close. That's not what it's all about. It's all about obedience. It's all about surrendering. It's all about walking in my ways according to my Torah, according to my instructions. That's what it's all about. The sacrificial system is just a, just a little accessory over here. That's what he's saying. That is what he's saying. Again, let's ruminate. This is Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 22. Listen to him. Listen. Listen to what he says here. For I did not speak to, you, to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. Well, you, some people might say, well, he did. That was the commands. That was the law of Moses, right? Well, yeah, it's in there. But what God is saying is, no, that's not what it's all about. And, and you can say, if, if, for, for Christians today who say, well, Jesus, uh, it's all about Jesus and, you know, it's all about, you know, the sacrifice of Jesus and he died for our sins and paid the debt and all, yada, yada, yada. It's the same thing because, you know, according to even Christian logic, Jesus is the fulfillment of the, of the animal, animal sacrifice. So if he is the fulfillment of the animal sacrifice, then what God is saying here is that's not what it's all about. God is saying that's not that's that's just a little accessory. That's just a little thing on the side. That's not that's not the main thing here. That's not the primary that's not the primary thing at all. That's not the first commandment, that's not the second commandment. Perhaps you know, that's way down the list. That's why he says here in verse 22, "Oh, I pray everyone within the sound of my voice gets revelation tonight." Personal revelation from God tonight. 
God said, for I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But, but this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice. That's it right there. And I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well with you. That it may be well with you. There's the purpose of the, the commandments right there. That's the purpose. Not so that you would know that you're a sinner. If God wanted you to know you're a sinner, all he'd have to say is, thus saith the Lord, you're a sinner. <laughs> why would he give you, why would he give you commands and then curse you for not obeying the commands just to prove that you're a sinner? It's total lunacy. It's lunacy. God is a loving father and his commands are for our good. As Jesus said, you know, God didn't create man for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. It's for our good. It's for our good. Verse 24, verse 24. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but followed the counsels and the dictates of their evil hearts and went backward and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have even sent to you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they did not obey me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore, you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. Verse 28. So you shall say to them, this is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receive correction. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. Cut off your hair and cast it away and take up a lamentation on the desolate heights for the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. For the, for the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, says the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to pollute it. You see this today in church, right? You see abominations in church. All kinds of abominations in and outside of church, before and after service. Verse 31 and they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come to my heart. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when it will no more be called Tophet, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they will bury Tophet until there is no room. The corpses of this people will be food for the birds of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth. There, and no one will frighten them away. Then I will cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. For the land shall be desolate. Jeremiah chapter 8. 
Verse 1. At that time, says the Lord, they shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah and the bones of its princes and the bones of the priests and the bones of the prophets and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves. They shall spread them before the sun and the moon and all the hosts of heaven, which they have loved and which they have served and after which they have walked, which which they have sought and and have and in which they have worshipped. They shall not be gathered nor buried. They shall be like refuse on the, the face of the earth. Then death shall be, uh, shall be chosen rather than life by all the residue of those who remain of this evil family, who, who remain in all the places where I have driven them, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 4, Moreover, you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, Will they, will they fall and not rise? Will one turn away and not return? Why has this people slidden back, Jerusalem, in a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. I listened and heard, but they did not speak aright. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his own course, and the horse rushes into the battle. Even the stork in the heavens knows her appointed times, and the turtle dove, the swift, and the, and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people do not know the, the judgment of the Lord. How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Look, the false pen of the scribe works falsehood, certainly works falsehood. Awesome. I know we bring this up. Uh, let me just pause here for a second. I know we bring this up many, many times. Um, that the scribes are not trustworthy. And we know, we hear a lot in church today, we hear a lot from the Christian world today of, you know, against the Pharisees. Oh, Pharisees this, Pharisees that first. But you know, most of the time when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, when he spoke against the Pharisees, he included the scribes as well. You scribes and Pharisees, you scribes and Pharisees. And the scribes in those days were like the Bible publishers of today. They were like the Bible Publishers, translators, if you will. Can you imagine? The men who handled the word of God did not handle it correctly. Look, the false pen of the scribe works falsehood. Verse 9, the wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom do they have? Therefore, I will give their wives to others and their fields to those who will inherit them. Because from the least even to the greatest, everyone is given to covetousness. From the prophet to the priest, everyone deals falsely. For they have healed the, the, of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. By the way, this is what this is what. We see so many times in church today, right? We see a lot of pastors who preach flowery sermons, flowery sermons, nice little self-help sermons, blessings, blessing sermons all the time, never ever really calling out sin, never ever really calling people to repentance. Just saying peace, peace. When there is no peace, Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 12. 
Were they ashamed when they had committed an, abom committed an abomination? No. They were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. In the, in the time of their punishment, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. I will surely consume them, says the Lord. No grapes shall be put shall be on the vine, no figs on the fig tree, and the and the leaf shall fade, and the things I have given them shall pass away from them. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves, and let us enter the fortified cities, and let us be silent there, for the Lord our God has put us to silence and given us water of gall to drink. In the footnotes, water of gall, bitter or poisonous water. Because we have sinned against the Lord. We looked for peace, but no one came. And for the time of health, but there was trouble. The snorting of his horses was heard from Dan. The whole land trembled at the sound of the neighing of his strong ones. For they have come and devoured the land and all that is in it, the city and those who dwell in it. For behold, I will send serpents among you, vipers, which cannot be charmed, and they shall bite you, says the Lord. I would comfort myself in sorrow. My heart is faint in me. Listen, the voice, the cry of the daughter of my people from a far country is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images and with foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. There is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Jeremiah chapter 9. So we're going to read this. After this chapter, I will get into your questions and your comments. Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the, for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers that I might leave my people and go from them. For they are all adulterers and an assembly of treacherous men. And, and like their bow, they have bent their tongues for lies. They are not valiant for the truth on the earth. For they proceed from evil to evil. And they do not know me, says the Lord. Everyone take heed to his neighbor and do not trust any brother for every brother will utterly supplant and every neighbor will walk with slanderers. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. The weary, they weary themselves to commit iniquity. Your dwelling place is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit, they refuse to know me, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will refine them and try them, for how shall I deal with the daughter of my people? Their tongue is an arrow shot out, it speaks deceit. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, 
but in his heart he lies in wait. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on on such a nation as this? I will take up a weeping and wailing for the mountains and for the dwelling places of the wilderness, a lamentation, because they are burned up so that no one can pass through. Nor can man, nor can men hear the voice of the cattle. Both the birds of the heavens and the beasts have fled. They are gone. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a den of jackals. I will make the cities of Judah desolate without inhabitant. Who is the wise man who may understand this? And who is he to whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken that he may declare it? Why does the land perish and burn up like a wilderness so that no one can pass through? And the Lord said, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but they have walked according to the dictates of their own hearts and after the Baals, which their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will feed them this people, with wormwood. I will give them water of gall to drink. This is bitter, poisonous water again. Bitter or poisonous water. I will scatter them also among the Gentiles, whom neither they nor their fathers have known. And I will send a sword after them until I have consumed them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider and call for the mourning women that they may come and send for skillful wailing women, that they may come. Let them make haste and take up a wailing for us, that our eyes may run with tears, and our eyelids gush with water. For a voice of wailing is heard from Zion, how we are plundered. We are greatly ashamed because we have forsaken the land, because we have been cast out of our dwellings. Yet, Hear the word of the Lord, O women, and let your ear receive the word of his mouth. Teach your daughters wailing and everyone her neighbor a lamentation. For death has come through our windows, has entered our palaces to kill off the children, no longer to be outside, and the young men no longer on the streets. Speak, thus says the Lord. Even the carcasses of men shall fall as refuse on the open field like cuttings after the harvester, and no one shall gather them. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor the mighty man glory in his might, nor the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness In the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised with the uncircumcised. Egypt, Judah, Edom, the people of Ammon, Moab, and all who are in the farthest corners who dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised, 
in the heart. Wow. Amazing, 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 amazing. So that, again, that concludes our scripture reading for tonight. So let me see what we have in the live chat. Wow, you guys, there's a lot in the live chat. Okay, so there's been so much going on here in the live chat. I apologize. Some of you perhaps entered questions that are long gone. Uh, if you if you don't mind, if I miss your question, the, the first question that's, a, that's addressed to me here is from Blake. If you submitted your question before this, please um, accept my apology. And if you will, please resubmit your question. Or not Blake, excuse me, it's Arcader GT. Uh, what are your thoughts on tongue speaking? Is there such a is there such thing as an angelic language, or is it a language that can be understood by men? Okay, yeah, I have actually um, several different videos on YouTube about this. Um, if you want more, de uh, I will kind of I'll just give you the quick summary. If you want more detail uh, on this, I would highly recommend you would. Uh, look it up, like go on my channel and, and search for tongues um, or like Acts chapter two, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, you'll, 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 hopefully you'll, you'll be able to find those videos quite easily. So I do believe that the gifts of the spirit are, are legit. They are in operation today, albeit I do not believe that they are in operation as much as people believe they are. I believe that it, there are the gifts of the Spirit, including tongues, prophecy, prophesying, also as well fits in the in, the, in that kind of category. Um, I do believe, and I've actually witnessed it more or less. I mean, I wasn't actually sitting right beside the guy, but I used to go to a church that this kind this happened when it was an elderly gentleman, and um, and one in. During one of the services, uh, the Spirit of God moved upon this elderly gentleman and he started hollering out different things like, hi -oh, like all these kind of things. It wasn't like the typical kind of tongues that you would you would hear in a Pentecostal Assembly of God kind of church. But anyway, um, it just happened to be that sitting beside him, uh, there was a gentleman from Japan and the guy from Japan was like, you know Japanese, like it's an old, it's an, it's an older, an old, like an elderly white guy, right? You know Japanese? He's like, no, I don't. He's like, well, you, you were speaking Japanese. He's like, I was. Like, yeah, you were. Oh, it's like, what did I say? And he said, well, you just kept on saying over and over again, Jesus is number one. Jesus is number one. You just kept on saying that over and over again. Now, it just happened to be back in those days that in Japan, that, that was a big thing. That was like a trending thing going on in Japan. It's like, this is number one, or that's number one, or this, you know, she's number one, or he's number one. But this particular gentleman from Japan traveled and sat beside this elder, elderly gentleman. And apparently this elderly gentleman started shouting out words in Japanese and he didn't even know it saying that Jesus is number one. So, um, of course, in, in Japanese. 
Um, and and there are other stories as well. If you read some of the other, um, there are different. There are stories from you know in the past two thousand years, and not 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 necessarily just recently within Pentecostal Assembly of God kind of movements or charismatic movements. No, but even even from like from the uh, from the Book of Acts days per se, all the way up to like you know the eighteenth century, you know. Uh, there, there are, there were times when they did, there, there were people that actually claimed to have this particular gift that they spoke with, they spoke in other languages that they, that they never learned before and other people understood them, understood what they were speaking. Um, prophecy falls in that same category as well, in the sense that, because you see when you're speaking tongues, it is actually prophesying in a way. Uh, I mean, legit tongues, which is very hard to find, by the way. Um, <laughs> let me put it this way. There are a lot of churches today that teach how to speak in tongues. Basically, go forward, get your, someone lays their hands on you and someone comes up to you and says, you know, okay, say ba, 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 kasa, na, ma, ma, ma. Just say this or, you know, just. They, or they give you a word to keep on repeating and then just add syllables to it and add syllables. Oh, go home and practice. That is not of God. That's not of God. You don't see that in the book of Acts. Oh, well, James told, you know, Philip, go home and practice. Peter told, you know, Bartholomew, hey, brother, just say, Baka, 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 and just keep on saying it until you add more syllables. Go home and practice. And as you practice, you know, put it this way. The true gift of speaking in tongues is a sovereign gift of God and not a skill taught by men. Because I do believe that in many of these churches, they do teach people to babble. So, yes, there is legit tongues, but there are a lot there's a lot of fake tongues as well, I believe. Same with prophecy. There is legit prophecy, but there's a lot of fake prophecy as well. Anybody that would teach you how to hear the word how to hear God. It doesn't happen that way. Same way with tongues. You cannot teach someone a gift of the spirit. The gift of the spirit is a gift of the spirit, not not an acquired, you know, um not an acquired, you know, it's not apt. It's not a skill or aptitude that you that you can learn from from man. You can't go to school and learn how to be a prophet. Put it that way. It just doesn't happen like that. It's, that's not biblical. That's not truthful. It's not scriptural. It's not according to this to the uh, to the word of God. Angelic language. Um. Yeah, I mean, even if there was angelic language, you can, I mean, let's say there was an, an angelic language that is not a language of the earth today. It's still possible to be understood because there's the gift of interpretation too, right? So, yeah, so that would, you could you can understand that as well. Very good question, Arcator. Thank you for asking. Fearfully confident. Good to see you, brother. Can you explain? Can you explain why Christians think Jesus taught a new religion? 
Paul. <laughs> One word, <laughs> Paul. That's how they that's that's how they think Jesus taught a new religion. I mean, Jesus didn't teach any a new religion. It's it's everything he taught was from you know from the Tanakh. It, it, I mean, he was a rabbi, and as a rabbi, he you know he taught as a rabbi. I, I believe he was a good rabbi, and uh, you know, <laughs> and as a good rabbi, he would be teaching Torah all the time, which he did. It's all he taught was Torah. Um, and so the reason why. You know, uh, I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit. I know you know fearfully confident what I mean by Paul, but for for the other people, um, because Christian Christians are taught that Torah is not uh, in in effect today; it's not to be observed today. Only only for the Jews, these kind of things. Um, and then Jesus. The, <laughs> They don't even go by what Jesus taught. They go by what Paul taught, really. And some of them even admit it because they say, well, Jesus came for the Jews only. He didn't come for us. So it's, it's because of misunderstanding, misinterpretation, and bad teaching. I don't think that Jesus taught a new religion. I think that the true—I know Christianity. I know that the the title or the you know the name of Christianity or Christian has been so soiled, has been so trashed over the over the years. Um, but I, I think in in truth, it—I mean, as defined as it should be defined. Let me just put it that way. As it should be defined, I believe that going all the way back to Adam, you could say Adam was a Christian. If you if if being a Christian means believing in the Word of God, the, you know the Messiah, uh, this kind of thing, I think goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, you know, following the instructions of God, following the Word of God. Yeah. So, very good question. Fearfully confident. Very good. The deception says yes, Christopher. Thank you, Alan. Jerome says shalom. Shalom, Jerome. Good to see you. Jerome says, I'm often curious as to how we can be sure if God is speaking to our hearts or if he is if it is just our own thoughts thinking it's God when it's us. I've made this mistake before. This is an awesome question. This is an awesome question. I'll get to your question there in a, in a minute there on TikTok. It's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I can answer it very simply, but honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind when I read when I read your question, Jerome, is Jeremiah. We're on the book of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah deals with that whole thing. Because there's so many people in Jeremiah's day and so many people that Jeremiah talk, talks about that believes like wholeheartedly, like well-meaning people wholeheartedly believe that they hear from God when they don't. It's just their own heart. It's their own spirit. It's their own mind. Uh, it's really presumption. It's part pride, part, partly um, it's just deception. Um
to um, I'm trying to answer it in the, in the simplest way possible. Studying the scriptures, studying the scriptures, and I know this. It's hard to answer that question without getting deep into it. Uh, studying the scriptures. The more you study the scriptures, the more you understand the God of the scriptures. And the more you understand the God of the scriptures, the more you understand what he, you, you understand his voice. Um, and this is one thing I've, let me just kind of, I'll just go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but this, it also fits into what you're asking, Jerome. In the scriptures, what I mean by scriptures, I'm talking about the entire 66 book canon and the 71 book canon and the, and the 81 book canon and all the and every other thing that's considered to be scripture from the Dead Sea Scrolls and every other thing that was considered to be scripture and all of the you know all of the known scriptures to us. I say all of the known because we have so many lost books, like lost books that are re, that are referenced in the scriptures. Um. So what we should what we should do is what we should do is when we're reading the scriptures we should ask ourselves what is the common theme that we read about in every book or almost every book like is there a common theme because if if the scriptures really are inspired of God there would be a, a common theme common theme not like one verse from jeremiah another three verses from isaiah you know another verse from exodus you know and, and just throw a little bit of hosea in there and voila now we got our own doctrine no something that is in almost every book you know in the tanakh there's 24 books we've divided it up into more we've divided it up into 39 books which we call uh, i hate to say it, old testament but the tanakh uh, but you think, you ask yourself a question. Out of those 24 books, what is common? What's the common thread in every one of those 24 books? And I think that's a good way to put it because 39 books is kind of chopping it up a little bit too much. Because uh, there might be a book like, you know, he, he, for example, the, the Hebrew Esther. They say the God is not even mentioned in the Hebrew Esther, right? The name of God is not mentioned in there. Uh, it is in the Greek, but not in the Hebrew. We'll get to that. Uh, by the way, we'll get to that in uh, July 9th. Um, we have Brother Onia coming and sharing with us his version of the book of Esther, which is going to be absolutely phenomenal, by the way. Uh, he gets into various different manuscript families and puts them all together and, and compares them. It's just amazing. But it's reading the scriptures in the right way. Read it, read it chronologically. And ask yourself a question. What's the same? What's what's the same? Like, is there this? What's similar? Between in all the books, right? Like, I, I, I can say, like, one thing for sure. I think probably the number one thing to be similar is, is uh, the idea of defining what sin is and calling people who are caught up in sin to walk away from sin and go you know turn to the lord 
you know, repentance. That is in pretty much every book. You know, um, so once you get a good handle on that, then you know, hey, if there's a prophet, so-called prophet, who comes, or even the own, you know, the voice you hear within you, um, it's like, wait a second, is this? Does this jive? Does this? Is this the same tune as what I've I read throughout the Tanakh? Is this the same tune, or is this different? Is this the same song? Is it the same melody? That's one of the things that opened my eyes to false prophecies. Um, uh, it's been what? How many years now? It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, and I, I mentioned this before. There was a prophet that came to an area to to my local area, and a pastor asked me to. Uh, to uh, to take the recording of this prophet. This prophet would would prophesy over everybody in church. Every, everybody who wanted it. Everybody who, almost everybody would go forward and they would have this prophet would say words over them. Right. You know, this is what the Lord says, kind of thing. Um, this this prophet this guy would prophesy over them. And so my job was I accepted the job and I'm glad I did because I learned a lot from it, which I'm going to share with you guys right now. My job was to take the recording of the hundreds of people that this prophet or so this man prophesied over and chop it up into, into you know, what he prophesied to John, chop that up into its own individual file. And then what he said to Mary, take that and put that in, in, in its own individual file and label it, you know, prophecy to Mary and, and so on and so forth, hundreds of them. And so as I was going through these prophecies, it struck me. It struck me. These prophecies were all about um, God will bless you. You're going to get a new house. You're going to get a new job. You're going to get a promotion in your job. Your, your family's going to be saved. Your friends are going to be saved. You know, God, you know all, over, all this, you know, uh, uh, revivals coming to the church, all this stuff, right? And I'm thinking, that's not the same tune as I read in the Tanakh. That's not the same tune. As we just read tonight, you the tune is you obey blessings. You disobey not so much blessings, okay? Um, so Jerome, to, to, like what I would highly recommend is to really, really study the Tanakh in prayer, you know, and not just study it, but actually do it, you know? Submit yourself to what it says. Do everything you can do. Uh, as it says, don't just look at the, don't just hear the word, but do it. Um, and you'll know God well enough to know, hey, I know that's the voice of God. And if you, if you have a, sometimes it's hard to tell. Like, well, you know, the Lord says tomorrow you're going to, you know, what, something will happen. And that's hard to, that's hard to put up against the scriptures. In that case, uh, of course, if it doesn't happen, it's definitely not God, and that person doesn't know the voice of God. Um, as opposed to someone who, um, you know, who, who who prophesies correctly, then you know that they know the voice of God. Anybody who pro anybody who says, "Hey, the Lord says this," but it never happened, 
you know that person is not in truth. That person is bound up in lies and more than likely bound up in some kind of a sin. The truth will set you free. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. You'll walk in freedom and grace and mercy. Very good question, Jerome. Thank you for asking. Let me see what else we have here. Caballero says, what a delightful teaching today. Pure gold, sweeter than honey. Thank you so much. Much blessings. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Caballero. Blessings multiplied to you as well. Thank you. Cat Cool, I have a question. Do you think there are people who truly repent and truly love Yah, but don't keep Torah? Or do, or do you think all who love God and truly repent will obey Torah? So um, it's a good question. So because some people can repent, and see, some people can repent based upon their own, based upon the knowledge that they have. So, in other words, because like really, like by definition, to repent means to stop disobeying Torah. So, really. To repent is to obey is to really to, to obey Torah. Um, so is it possible that people can truly repent and love Yah, but don't keep Torah? In in so much as is in so much as is limited by their by their lack of knowledge, yes. They can repent as much as they know how to. Um then you got the idea that it's possible that people can have this innate, inherent idea of what's right and wrong without even reading Torah. They, they can know, hey, you know, I'm not supposed to do this. Now, it reminds me of my grandmother. My grandmother, she, like, she, was, uh, she was a very holy lady. She, she wasn't really a churchgoer, but she was a very, like she never... Never smoked, never drank. Um, of course, no drugs, no sleeping around, all that kind of stuff. Very, very holy lady in that sense. And uh, and she said, you know, my mother never told me don't do these things. My mother never told me this stuff. And her her father passed away when she was a baby. And she said, my mother never told me not to do this stuff. She said, I just knew, I just knew. So some people can have that innate knowledge. So, but the idea is like, yeah, I mean, in Acts chapter 15, you got, you got Gentiles that were given the initial um, four commandments to obey. So they had, so they repented. Uh, if they were not obeying those commandments, they would have to repent and, uh, and, and obey those. And perhaps they didn't, they didn't obey some other, some of the other commandments of the Torah. Uh, until later, hopefully they they learned and then they would they would obey. But um, yeah, so it is possible that they would repent as much as they knew how to. So, but hopefully, you know, I mean, people would know and repent anyway, um, fully and obey Torah fully. It's a really good question there, Matthew. I suppose not everybody knows all the commandments that apply to them, so. Um, so yes, 
if people could repent as much as they know, but not fully because not really fully obey Torah because they just don't know how to. Thank you very much, Matthew. Billy says, yes, I heard a pastor say we aren't under the gospel of Jesus. Can you imagine that? We are under the gospel of Paul. Yeah, that's why I say Paulians. Don't call yourself Christians because you're not under the gospel of Christ, but you should call yourself Paulians being under the gospel of Paul instead. And it's amazing. You know, but these people, these people are actually, they're closer than a lot of other Christians to the truth because at least they acknowledge there's a stark contrast. At least, at least they acknowledge there is a difference. That one says yay and the other one says nay. Um, at least they get that because a lot of people don't get that. A lot of people say, oh, no, they preach the same gospel. So I think, I think they're closer to the truth. But still, yeah. The gospel of Jesus was too hard. Pick up cross and follow me. My burden is, my burden is, uh, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I guess he forgot about that one. Brick train. Uh, what is the best scripture-based explanation regarding dinosaurs? Um, well, we have the, uh, you know, in the scriptures we have, we have mention of the Leviathan and, and the behemoth. Okay, so um, those two creatures can be dinosaurish, dinosaur-like in their size and in their uh, their strength and such. Uh, so, you know, I, I would just, you know, if anybody says, there, is there dinosaurs in the Bible? I would say, well, just look up Leviathan or look up Behemoth, Behemoth, um, especially the Behemoth. Leviathan is more like a water creature, dragon kind of thing. But I guess you, it could be kind of like a dinosaur as well. So uh, that would be my answer to that uh, brick train. Thank you for asking. All right, see what we have here on TikTok. Adonai reigns. Let's see here. What do I think of Paul Washer and John MacArthur? Um, so I I'm not really I I'm not into tearing people down. All right. So and I'm not going to endorse these people either. Um what i what i believe in doing is is what we do we read the scriptures and and portray the truth as much as possible learn from each other um what i would highly recommend uh ask i will i will speak directly to doctrines or concepts of doctrines um but not i'm not going to tear down people Um, so if there's like a, 
you know, a question about, you know, what do I think about such and such a doctrine, such and such a theory, such and such a concept, then I will either, I'll either, you know, smash it or I'll uphold it, one or the other, but um, I'm not going to really speak about people like that. So Underwood, for you, says, why should anyone trust your understanding of God versus the Apostle Paul's understanding? Why should anyone trust your understanding of God versus the Apostle Paul's understanding? What is it that, what is it that, see, what I do here is I'm always saying, test everything I say. I'm not saying, believe me. I'm not saying, hey, you got to believe me. Test it. If what I say is true, you've got a choice. You can accept the truth or you can, you can reject it or deny it, which a lot of people deny it, I believe. If it's not true, bring evidence to prove that it's not true. If you bring evidence to prove anything that I say is not true, good hard evidence, I will change my mind. I will. I, I will listen to you. I will answer your questions. And if you have a good, if you have good points, that's hard evidence, I will change my mind. I've done it more than once before in the past, okay? The Apostle Paul has no authority to bring any, any kind of, he's not, he's not a prophet. He's not a prophet. Even the prophets had no authority to override the, the eternal word of God that came through, uh, through Moses. Yeah, you ask again, why should anyone trust your understanding of God versus the Apostle Paul's understanding? Well, first of all, I mean, again, what is, what, what am, my question to you is, Underwood, what is it that I understand that's not true? And prove it to me. Show me. Underwood said, do you believe Paul performed miracles? He, I don't think he claimed that he did. I know in the book of Acts, it claims that he did. Uh, not that he did per, per se, but that God did through him. And we actually, I don't know where you were, if you were here about a half an hour ago or so, or 45 minutes ago, we were talking a lot about this kind of concept where if you, if you perform miracles, it doesn't prove anything. Matthew 7, 21 to 23, you can be a devil and still perform miracles. You can be a false apostle, false prophet. You can be a dirty, filthy, stinking, rotten sinner and still perform miracles. Yeah, Fearfully Confident says false equivalency. So whether or not Paul performed miracles means nothing according to the word of God. If God worked miracles through Paul, great. I mean, God worked miracles through Many people, including people that is spoken of in, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, the people that were rejected on the day of judgment by Jesus. They were rejected by Jesus, but they worked miracles. So what does that prove? Proves nothing other than that God actually used them. God used a donkey. What does that prove? Yeah, I would ask you, Underwood, what is my understanding of God that's wrong? And bring some good proof on it. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know more than anybody wants to know. 
Underwood, I'm here to share my passion. I'm here to share the blessings that God has blessed me with. I've been studying. I've been reading the Bible ever since I was little. Off and on, like just a little bit here and a little bit there for the first 16, 17 years of my life. But uh, for the past 30 years, I've been studying the scriptures and meditating upon the scriptures. And so I'm here to share what I've learned as much as God would allow me to. So that's why I'm saying, Underwood, if I said anything, if, first of all, Underwood, I don't, I don't, I highly doubt you even know, you even understand what my understanding of God is. You probably don't understand what my understanding of God is. So my, my question to you would be, why should I trust your understanding of my understanding of God? Because I don't think you understand. Or else you wouldn't ask a question like that. Let's see what else we got here on YouTube. Okay, I think we got pretty much everything. So what we're doing here every, every day, by the grace of God, we are going live and reading from the scriptures and, 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 uh, and discussing the scriptures. And so we've been doing this for a while now, several months, every single day. And by the grace of God, we will continue doing it every single day. Uh, so we do it Sunday through Friday at six days a week at 7 p.m. Eastern, at 7 p.m. Uh, New York time. And every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. New York time. If you're not subscribed, if you're not following, make sure you subscribe or follow. Make sure you got those notifications on. We usually go live on those times. There has been the odd time we go live on an off time. Um, and that is a possibility depending on you know what happens in the future. If we have a special guest that cannot, sometimes there is a special, sometimes we have a special guest like we had uh Rabbi Singer on before he could not make it, you know, any evening or on on Shabbat. So we had to make a special time for him. So if we do have a special time for a special guest, it may or may not be advertised um, in advance. So make sure you have those notifications on so you know. I don't know. Rain says, "What helps? What book? What books help in reading the Bible with a historical context?" It's a really good question. I, sometimes I get that question. There is no book specifically that I would recommend uh, in regards to that. I, I would just, I would, I would recommend though meditating upon. I would look into, let's say, for example, uh, let's just say, for example, um, you're studying the book of James. So you want to look into the book of James. You want to study it. You want to study what time it was, approximately what time it was written who wrote it and the background the culture of what of you know of in which it was written right so james was written by a jew right so you think okay so what was first century uh, jewish culture like you do a study on that and that kind of thing helps tremendously uh, most of the scriptures by the way um 
actually all of the scriptures were all written by Jews. But so, you know, it's very important to understand, you know, ancient Jewish practice and ancient um, Orthodox Judaism as well. In an in a ultra-Orthodox Judaism, perhaps, even uh, to go back in those ancient days uh, to study that kind of thing in, in what they believed, what, uh, you know, how they lived and all that kind of thing. It's very, I think it's very, very important, pertinent to uh, the understanding of the books that you're reading. Since I'm sometimes confused with the historical context of, of, of or notion of things. Yeah, so get you know get get your get your hands on a good um, chronological Bible you know reading plan and you know read the Bible chronologically. Uh, we have uh, at least loosely chronologically from Genesis up until this point now. Um, such books as First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, put it up against First and Second Chronicles and put it up side by side. Um, it's very, very, um, it's very important to do that because that's kind of looking at it chronologically side by side, just like, um, reading the four gospels, you put them up side by side, four gospels. Uh, and we've, we've done a little bit of that here on the live stream as well. We put up four gospels, especially over there on YouTube. Um, four gospels, the, the screen divided into four quadrants as it were. and. Uh, Comparing all the Gospels, there's a lot of differences. Some differences are irreconcilable, um, implausibly, recon yeah, implausibly, uh, not plausibly reconcilable, put it that way. Uh, it's very important to do that. That's what I would highly recommend. Okay, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel, for saying you can. For some reason, the chat on my thing, I cannot post any chats up here. I got to just read them off of the. Uh, I got to read them directly off of YouTube here, so I apologize. Uh, Travis says, are there not two judgments? No, they're not. No. Thief on the cross, Yeshua's judgment? No. Um, as well as the great white. Look, at this is this is the thing, right? So the, the, the idea of two judgments completely goes against Christianity is that that doctrine is inconsistent with with everything else that Christianity teaches right because Christianity teaches that basically that Jesus is um Christianity teaches that Jesus is God and that that Christ there's the there's the great white throne which is God's judgment then there's the judgment seat of Christ which is Christ's judgment. Um, it makes no sense whatsoever. Jesus, so God gave Jesus authority to judge. Jesus gave his 12 disciples authority to judge. He said, I give you authority to judge over the 12. He said, I'll put, each one of you will be put on the 12, uh, each one of you 12 will be put on the 12, uh, will be, put on 12 judgment seats to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. So each one of the 12 disciples were given a tribe to judge. Okay. Also, it says, um, I mean, we got 1 Corinthians chapter 6 saying that every believer, every believer is given the, the task to judge. It says we'll judge the world and even angels. The judgment seat of Christ 
is the judgment seat of God, is the great white throne judgment. God is not a God of double standards. Okay, He's not a hypocrite. He's not a schizo with two different personalities like, oh, I got, you know, I'm going to judge these. No, it's, it's all the same. It's all one judgment. We read about it throughout the Tanakh. Remember, in the uh, in the New Testament, in the Book of Acts, all they had was the Tanakh to go by. That was their that was their scriptures. Okay, everything from Moses to Malachi and even the Apocrypha as well. But none of that says anything different other than God is judge. There will be a, a judgment day, one judgment day uh, for for all. Thank you for asking, Travis. Brick Train says, I agree about Leviathan in the book of Job and Jubilees. Yeah, the whole idea that there's, you know, there's two judgments, it's almost like there's two different laws. Like there's the law of Christ, then there's the law of Moses. It's all the law of God. It's like you don't divide, you don't divide Christ from God in that way. You don't divide Christ from Moses in that way. It's it's the same. Jesus even said. Uh, you uh, you search the scriptures, but you don't realize that in them uh, they all speak of me. He said, "You, you don't you uh, if you believe Moses, you believe me, because they're one and the same. Basically, they're on the same team. It's the same. The law of Christ is the is the law of Moses, which is the law of Noah, which is the law of Adam, which is the law of David. It's all the law of God." Fearfully Confident asks, is vicarious atonement in the Tanakh? No. The whole idea of Jesus took your place or that Jesus paid your debt, is an, it, it's actually, that is a concept, that is a doctrine that holds you in slavery to sin. If you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Okay, That's not the truth because... It doesn't make people free. It keeps them in slavery because they're like, oh, I'm, you know, he paid my debt. No, to, to break the slavery of sin, you have to say, no, I died with him, not he died for me or paid my debt. I died with him. I rose with him. Going nowhere, ask the question, why did God want to kill Moses in Exodus 4, 24 to 26? I believe that's the whole thing about this, you know, just, um, yeah, so going nowhere. Did you go? Did you actually? Did you listen to the video that we did on that? Like when we when we actually read that scripture, because we went through all that. Exodus chapter four. Yeah, so we went through all that. I would highly recommend going nowhere. You can just just go back in the in the archives. It wasn't that long ago when we went we when we went through I, uh, Exodus. And uh, look for when we went through Exodus chapter 4. Yeah, if you go back, it was four months ago. We did a video on that. Four months ago, we did a video on that. Exodus 32, 9 to 14. So going nowhere, ask the question, did, did Moses change God's mind? Exodus 32, 9 to 14. So it says, the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now let me alone that, I, that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them and make, you, make of you a great nation. Then Moses entreated the Lord as God and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against the people whom, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt uh, with great power and with a mighty hand? 
Why should the Egyptians speak? Verse 13, remember, okay, it says here, so the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. So is that what your Bible says uh, going nowhere? The Lord changed his mind? Your question is, did God change Mo God's, or excuse me, did Moses change God's mind? It says the Lord repented or the Lord relented. The Lord or God changed, the Lord changed his mind a few times, it says. According to what the scripture says, God, the Lord changed his mind in a way. So going nowhere, ask the question, when and how did you become interested in reading the books that aren't in most Bibles, like the book of Enoch, book of Jubilees, etc.? It's a long, it's a long story. I mean, I I, I used to read it. Uh, I used to read, I read the Apocrypha. Before I got saved, I read the Apocrypha, some of it, not all of it, some of it. Uh, after I got saved and I got involved in mainstream Christianity, of course, I kind of threw, threw away the Apocrypha, so to speak, because of that, the influence of mainstream Christianity. But after after a while, I we have to have an open we have to have an open mind, not an empty mind. We have to have the ability to think good, think good and critically about the apocrypha, about the scriptures, and so that's what I did. Just thinking about it, reading it, and putting it to the test, and it passed the test. I mean, it just passed the test. When did I? When did that happen? Um, well, like again, I I accepted. I read the Apocrypha again. Uh, I didn't reject it. I, I I was actually even more interested in the Apocrypha than I was in the scriptures before I really started walking with God in, in 1992. But uh, recently, just coming across some of the, some of the things that people and coming across some websites that talk about it, and I'm thinking it's it's it was actually a lot of a lot of times it was actually people that were arguing against the Apocrypha. That made me turn, turn. That made me accept it because I thought these arguments are absolutely fruitless, stupid arguments. I'm thinking, if the if these people putting up stupid arguments like this against the apocrypha, let me read it myself. Read it more, and the more I read it, the more I thought, the more I saw that it was it was fully in line with with. Uh, with everything else, just as much as anything else is. Actually, like again, the, the, the letters of Paul, I think, are much more out of line uh, from the rest of the scriptures than the Apocrypha is, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it, was a, it was a thing that happened over many years. Rachel Jacob says, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Uh, I laugh because Everybody and their dog and their sister and their goldfish believe in Jesus Christ. The question should be, what does that mean to you? I'm teaching people to believe in Jesus as it's originally supposed to be. Okay? So what I mean is this. The word believe or the word faith in the Greek, pistis, okay, means faithfulness, amuna in Hebrew. It means faithfulness or fidelity, okay? That means a lot more than just head knowledge or just accepting something. It's actually walking it out. When you believe in Jesus, you actually walk him out. You, 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 
believe in what he teaches. You accept and you go by his teachings and you also follow his example. So, you know, I'm saying all the time, people need to believe in Jesus a lot more than they do. They need to believe in Yeshua a lot more than they do. Because they think that they accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior and you're saved. Well, that's believing in Jesus. No, it's not. Absolutely not. That's just saying some kind of a ritualistic prayer, again, that may or may not mean anything to God, according to the scriptures. So yeah, um, I believe and teach, Rachel. Very good question. Thank you, Rachel. Okay, so... Um, Rachel says, thank you for making it clear. Thank you for asking, Rachel. It's a very good question because there's a lot of people that say that. They say, I believe in Jesus. But again, <laughs> every time I say that, I have to chuckle a little bit because I remember years ago being in a major metropolis, a major city, uh, not too far from where I live. And... Um, I was out on the street preaching at night and I was in this area that was like kind of like the red light district kind of thing. And I was, and there was this one person that pointed, he said, Hey, you know, this guy over there, you see that guy over there? I was like, yeah, I see that guy. And they said, that guy, it was, it was, it was like nighttime, dark. Right. And so it was like, they said that person over there is a pimp. I said, okay, let's go preach to him. So I went to this person and I said, the first thing I said to him was, um, oh, excuse me, uh, do you believe in Jesus? He's like, oh, yeah, man, I believe in Jesus, man. Jesus is my best friend, man. I talk to him every day. I'm thinking, what can you say to somebody like that? And this is the way it is with a lot of people, a lot of very bad people, very, very bad people that certainly would not make the cut into heaven, into paradise, if you will, into the kingdom of God, certainly would not make the cut. Yet, most of them will all say, I believe in Jesus. They say the same thing. I believe in Jesus. I know, I know someone, man, I, I know someone, they are living in a very, very destructive, very, very wicked, living like the devil. Yet, they say that, they say the same thing. I believe in Jesus, man. I talk to him every day. He's my best friend. Everybody's like that. It's like, so let's let's define what believe in Jesus means. To actually go by his teachings and to follow his example. Yes, that's what it means. Because you see, Jesus was an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. He was a he was a Jewish rabbi. And you go, you go to any Orthodox Jewish community today and you ask a rabbi, excuse me, rabbi. What does it mean if a person believes in their rabbi? What does that mean? How does that look? They'll say the same thing. Well, first of all, to believe in a rabbi means that you are to go by his teachings and you follow his example. Follow his teachings and follow his example. And so that's the whole thing. Going nowhere, where, where does the idea of, be, of there being three, uh, 613 commandments come from? It comes from the Talmud. And again, as well, I, I always say this, I'll say it again for those of you who are new here. Um, 
according to even Jewish sources today, you go to Chabad.org, one of the top Jewish, Jewish websites in the world, they would tell you that there are Jewish scholars who actually disagree with that. They say that's not accurate. Some people have, like, they've counted it themselves. They, they claim, some of them say there's more, some of them say there's less. Um, here's the thing, though. God never, God never gave us that kind of a number. He never said there are 100. He never said there are 50. He never said there are 300, 400, 500, or 600, or 613. He didn't say it. Therefore, why are we, you know, why do, why do people say it all the time? Rachel Jacobs says, what is the difference between a prophet and a soothsayer? King Saul came to Samuel to find out where the donkeys were, and he paid him. Um, so as, as I define it, a prophet is, a true prophet, is, is, a, is a spokesman for God, basically. Someone who, who takes the word of God and delivers it to the people. A soothsayer as I would define it, is someone who is more like the prophets of today, which are, you know, everything is all good and fine and dandy. Everything is all peaceful, you know, prophesying smooth sayings, smooth things to us, as it says in the, um, in the book of Isaiah, uh, almost like a fortune teller. Uh, someone who is not, is going to, is going to tell you, it's almost like, what I call fortune cookie um, prophets, fortune cookie prophets. It's like these kind of prophets, these kind of people are soothsayers. It's pretty much like fortune cookies. Going to them for a quote unquote word is like, it's like going, it's like cracking open a fortune cookie. It's like, it's always very ambiguous. It's always like positive. If it's not positive, it's still just, just, immensely and so ambiguous it's not it's never it's never like you need to repent of your sins that kind of thing it's never like that whereas a real prophet would be more like that maybe they wouldn't present it in that way but they would preach more of the idea of hey um you need to turn from your sin and turn to god uh get clean rachel says but samuel was a prophet okay if you're asking but Samuel was a fortune cookie. But if you're asking uh, about a specific, because you see there's different Bible translations that, that word things different ways. If you're asking about a specific verse, could you please put the verse up so I can look it up and comment on it and be more specific on it? Travis says, thank you for responding earlier. I'm confused. If the thief on the cross wasn't judged, how did he get into paradise? So uh, this is something, again, we've, we've spoke a lot about. Um, in, in, so the judgments of God are always coming down. Always, always, Okay. We know it happened at the book in the Garden of Eden. We know that it happened with Cain. We know it happened with Job. We know it happened with Noah. We know it happened with everybody. Even to this very day, the judgments of God are coming down. For example, Javis, uh, Travis, excuse me. For, exa for example, if you 
if you disobey the, the commandments of God and if you hold a grudge against somebody, if you really hold a grudge against somebody, you know, the commandments of God in Leviticus chapter 19 says, thou shalt not hold a grudge, right? You love your neighbors yourself, all that kind of thing. So if you hate your neighbor and you hold a grudge against your neighbor, like a serious grudge, the judgments of God will fall upon you today, okay? You will not have peace. You may lose your sleep over it. You may, in time to come, either have emotional diseases, if you will, emotional problems or physical problems that can spring out of that disobedience to God. And that is the judgment of God. It happens all the time. Uh, you look at Pompeii, right? The judgment of God fell upon Pompeii in exactly the same way that it fell upon Sodom and, Sodom and Gomorrah for exactly the same reasons. That was in 79 AD. I could say I could say a whole lot about what's happened in the in recent times. I'm not going to say too much here, uh, but judgments of when something happens, you got to ask yourself a question: Why did this happen? What's going on, Lord? Where 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 is there sin that came in the picture somewhere? Where is it? How did it come in? You know, the judgments of God are always following. Now, the judgments can be in your favor or in your to your demise. It can be against you or in your favor, okay? If you obey God, you're going to be blessed. You'll be at peace. You'll, get, you'll have a great night's sleep tonight. you have a great time. God will give you favor with, with, with man and with everybody, okay? You'll get favor. You'll be blessed. That is a judgment of God. The judgments of God are always coming down. So, here is how I, how I understand it in the scriptures. When a person dies, they shed just part of them, right? We are, we are more than just a physical thing. We are spiritual. We have a soul, okay? So when you pass away, your spirit does not pass away. Your soul is not physical. Therefore, it's not, your body can, can go in the grave. Your body can go into corruption, but not your spirit or your soul. So your spiritual condition will be locked in at that time. Locked in. Luke chapter 16. The rich man died and Lazarus died. The rich man went to a place of fire and torment when he was burning in flames but not being consumed. Why not consumed? Because he's not physical. He's spiritual. He can feel pain. I believe spirits can feel pain and emotional pain. Actually, a lot more, actually even more so than what we do today because our physical body is kind of um, dampened the spiritual, the spirit, the spirit in us, so to speak. So um, when you pass away, your physical body gets shed, but your spirit is still, so you, you, you either continue on in a spiritual state of death, okay, or a spiritual state of life. Every person today, every one of us, every one of you that are listening to me right now, you are either in a spiritual state of death or a spiritual state of life. 
I just spoke about this uh, earlier. I just posted a video earlier about this. Um, uh, let me think now. It's getting late and I'm getting a little bit tired here, but let's see. Um, even, see, even Paul knew, even, even Paul knew this concept. And I believe it's in the Tanakh as well. We read about it in the, in the book of Isaiah a little bit, you know, fire that will not be quenched and so on and so forth. Ephesians chapter two, verse one, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So it's like, there's a, there's biologically alive does not mean spiritually alive. Biologically dead does not mean spiritually dead. God is concerned about the spirit, not the, not the body so much. Okay. So that's why Jesus said, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, verse 32, Jesus said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob died biologically, but not spiritually. That's why they're still alive, according to God. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. Oh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are dead. Yeah, well, biologically they are. You can go and visit their tomb. Their tomb is still around, by the way. Um, but according to God, they're alive because they passed away in a state of spiritual life. Right, The just shall live by faith. Uh, he, he who does these commandments, Leviticus 18.5, will live by them. Byron says, I know what you mean. For some reason, Byron, your, your comment is the only one that popped up here. I have technical difficulties here. I got to look at my at different, I got to look directly at, at YouTube, not on the software. But Byron, for some reason, your, your comment uh, popped up here. So here's the thing, Travis. The judgment of God fell upon, the judgment of God came upon that thief before he died. The judgment was that he was alive. Why? Because he repented, right? He repented in many different things. He repented, he called upon the Lord, he rebuked others for, you know, he stuck up for a righteous man, he rebuked others for not fearing God, he feared God. There are many different he did everything he did everything he could possibly do. He did everything he could possibly do while he was on that cross. That's why the judgment of God fell upon him. He got life. Chaya in the Hebrew, okay? Um, and, that, and Jesus saw that. So I see you're alive. You will be with me today. In today you will be with me in paradise. I see you're alive. It wasn't necessarily Jesus's judgment at all. It was God the Father's judgment, and Jesus just knew it. He could see it in him. See, when a person dies, they are locked into either a spiritual state of life or a spiritual state of death. The spiritual state of death is, is the horrible place to be. You don't, want to, you don't want to get locked in that state because that's the state that will take you to a place where it's death. You will still exist. You will still be there. You will still be conscious, but it's a spiritual state of death, just like how you were before you got saved, so to speak. Okay, like how Paul said in Ephesians chapter two, 
you were made alive. You were once dead in your trans your trespasses and sins. Yeah, you were walking. You were walking around. You had all of your vital signs. You you were biologically alive, but you were dead. You were the living dead. If that if they died in that in that condition, that they would be locked into that state of death. They weren't annihilated. It's not annihilationism. It's it's they were just in a bad spot. Their spirit was in a spirit was in a state of death, depression, darkness, um, restlessness, all of this stuff, all the bad stuff, and that's why. When a person dies in that state, they die in that state of of torment because they are their spirit is actually in a state of torment as as it is. While the, I back in the early nineties, I went I went to over a thousand doors. Can you imagine me knocking on your door? I went to I went to over a thousand doors with a spiritual survey. Asking people if they believe in God, believe in heaven, believe in hell, won't go to church. What do they think about church? How do they get to heaven? All this kind of stuff. And most people I asked, do you believe in hell? Most people said, yeah, it's right here on earth. And to them it is because they are in a spiritual state of death. The only thing they have, quote unquote, alive is the physical body. Their heart's beating, they're breathing. They're they're a quote unquote alive, not really. I mean, to God, they're dead. They're dead. As the Shepherd of Hermas talks about this a lot, about live to God versus dead to or live to God versus dead to God. Okay, uh, living to God versus light. You are in a spiritual state of you will live to God or you you are dead to God. You are dead. You die to God. Um, so when a person dies in that state, it, they do go into a state of eternal torment because everything, their heaven, quote unquote, heaven is lost. Everything they know, because the only heaven they ever would know is what's here on earth. Money, money, power, sex, drugs, booze, whatever. Okay. That's that's their heaven. Their their spirit is dead. Strip their heaven from them, then all they have is their their poor, pitiful, dark, dead spirit, conscious, still in existence, and they they can feel pain. And boy, will they, they ever will feel pain after that. All of the earth and all of the things of this world is stripped from them in death. That's what is hell, okay? Um, and there are different parts of hell as well. There's the fire as in Luke chapter 16 and in Isaiah, and then there's the darkness. There are different parts of hell de- depending on depending on many things. A person can go to just darkness as opposed to fire and vice versa. It depends on, the, it depends on what's going on. Other, on, the other, on the flip side, you, if, you, if your spirit is alive to God, you shedding your body is just, you're getting... Basically, you're getting rid of the worst of you, if you know what I mean. To a worldly person, when they die, they're getting rid. The the best of them goes to the grave. The best of them, their flesh, 
their their physical body, their their physical pleasures go to the grave. The best of them go to the grave. And that's what really makes them tor- that's really makes it, it makes them in torment. Whereas person who is really right right with God, alive to God, the worst of them goes to the grave, and the best of them goes with to uh, to, uh, to God in paradise. That's why Abraham was in paradise in in uh, Luke chapter sixteen. So the judgment of God, the judgment day. Okay, so there's judgment day that judges this whole world as it is. Okay, then there's the the last. There's the there's a resurrection. Okay, uh, the, res, the last and great resurrection when the the dead in Christ rise first, so to speak. The the, the righteous ones will rise in one re- resurrection. And they will be judged according to the to what they've done in the body. And then the wicked will be raised to life. And they will be judged what they did in the body. So I know it's kind of complicated, but the judgments of God are always falling. But there is a great and final judgment at the end. Hope that helps there, Travis. Very good question. Okay, so that wraps it up for tonight. Um, we'll, be, we'll be back again tomorrow night, same time, same place, Lord willing. By the grace of God, that is 7 p.m. Eastern, we'll be back. And once again, if you are new here, make sure you're following or subscribe, depending on what platform you're listening from. And yeah, so we've got a lot to look forward to. In the next several days, we'll be going through the entire book of Jeremiah. As you can tell, it's an amazing book. It's awesome. Absolutely amazing. It's a phenomenal book. Uh, I really enjoyed reading it and uh, today. So uh, it's it, it's just a great blessing. So thank you very much. Rachel says, now, thank God. Now I got this. This is working for now. Anyway, uh, Rachel says, thank you, Christopher. It was great. Thank you very much, Rachel. I appreciate, appreciate you. Thank you for your questions. Going Nowhere says, uh, thank you, Christopher. Have a wonderful evening. You too as well. Thank you very much, Going Nowhere. Blessings multiplied to you. Rachel says, great teaching and fellowship. I love Jeremiah. Yes, I love Jeremiah too. Thank you very much as well, Rachel. Alan says, thank you, brother. Much love and blessings to you all. Thank you very much, Alan. Blessings and love multiplied back to you as well, brother. Yeah, to Yahweh the Glory says, less technical difficulties next time, prayerfully. Shalom, y'all. Yeah, thank you very much to Yahweh the Glory. Yes, I don't know what's, what it was about tonight, but it was a great night anyway, right? <laughs> Praise God. Blake says, many thanks. It was great. Thank you very much, Blake. It's great to have you. Shofar Girl says, shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom to you as well. All right, so, yes. Tomorrow, we are going to be reading, uh, let's just have a quick peek here. We're going to be reading chapters 10 through 17 of Jeremiah. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, guys. I'll see you again tomorrow evening. Blessings, blessings. You guys are awesome. World changers. You guys are world changers. Millian says, that's so well explained. The worst of them goes to the grave. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Praise God. Okay, so I'll see you guys tomorrow. Remember to come back, bring your friends and your family, 7 p.m. Eastern again, that's 7 p.m. New York time. And thanks a lot. Um, thank you as well, Alan, for reminding uh, reminding everyone to hit the like button if you liked it. Yes, thank you. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen, amen. See you tomorrow.